<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Work Party, the podcast where we are throwing out the rule book and bringing you real talk and hot takes on what is happening in the working world right now. Because life moves fast. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that the only constant is change. And we can't pretend everything is status quo. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Founder Files, where I chat with inspiring entrepreneurs about their journey to building their business. We've all heard the shiny founder stories. This is not that. We talk high highs, brutal lows, and the secrets to success that got them to where they are today. Tactical, tangible, and chock full of takeaways. Let's dive in. On today's episode, I'm joined by Allison McNamara, a journalist turned founder and CEO of the cult beauty brand Mara, clean, award-winning, and recently launched in over 250 doors at Sephora. Mara is a heavy hitter in the beauty world, and Allison is the real deal. So welcome, Allison. Hi, thanks for having me. Let's get right into it. So we are evolving work party. We're digging deeper with founders. We want to give you know entrepreneurs the real tactical advice because as you know, entrepreneurship is a wild road with lots of ups and downs. So you launched your brand in 2018 after a major career pivot and in such a short amount of time, built an incredible brand. So talk us through like leaving this career pivot and getting into being an entrepreneur. It was a hard decision at the time, but now looking back, it was the only decision in a way. I grew up with my family in beauty, and so it's really the root of everything that I know. It was the dinner table conversation that we had growing up and getting to go to commercial shoots and whatnot. So when I, you know, kind of lost my TV show in a way, and so many of the digital shows that I was doing were pivoting to Snapchat only or whatever it was, I really had to think, and I'm like, what do I want to do next? And I've always wanted to build a brand, and I always wanted to get into beauty. So it seemed like the perfect time. And I think a lot of ignorance is bliss when you're starting out because you have no idea. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. So it's been a really amazing journey. I love that. So you were working in entertainment, essentially. You were a host, you know, having these different TV shows. And it came to an end, right? Like, you, But also it transitioned, which is interesting. And I think we're also kind of in a moment like that where... Like we both remember Instagram launching and Instagram being the thing and then TikTok launching and then Vine. It's like keeping up with those things, you know, can cause a lot of endings and things, but also using it as an opportunity to launch something new, which is amazing. And since then, you've won Glossy's Breakout Clean Beauty Brand Award. As I mentioned, you're in Sephora Online in 250 stores and also you're entirely bootstrapped. Yes. Oh <laughs> yes. my God, girl, we got to talk. So I'm so excited to get into this. So let's start with some of the high highs and the low lows. So tell us about your best day running the business. 
You know what? I saw this question and I thought to myself, like, each best day gets outdone by another best day. So it's hard to pick just one. But recently we were on the Today Show and we sold so much product. And it was really just an amazing opportunity for the brand to get in so many new hands. But I think the best day in my career so far was our launch with Sephora. Yeah. That was something we really envisioned for the brand, something that I had had on the mood board and the vision board since we were articulating this idea in 2018 and before. And that was the big, the big thing for me. So I love it. Today's show, that's huge. I know. So was it like the one where they kind of show it and talk about the product or what type of feature was it? So we've had several features, which by the way, I was on the Today Show many times, you know, actually like being a, you know, a host and doing Is segments that how for Pop you Sugar. got yourself in the door? Or was no. it totally okay? It was totally organic. It was on Bobby's Best for Less, but we were, you know, in a great company with other brands that were, you know, much bigger and more well known than Mara. And you do offer a discount, but at the same time, we had like a 98% new customer acquisition wow. for the, you know, the three days we were doing that deal. And so that was just a day where it reminded me a lot of the the Chrissy Teigen day where she promoted the universal face oil. And I literally thought Shopify was broken. Yeah. Because I'm like, how are this many people on our site and shopping? So, well, this one, I actually knew what was happening, but, you know, each time you have something amazing, I always try and celebrate the wins now. And that's something I think you learn having your own business is like, they're going to be small wins are going to be big wins. You just have to enjoy all of them. Yeah. And really recognize them. Like, yeah. I love that so much, you know, that one, it's great to hear that like that works because I think there's so many things that people are trying right now that aren't working like paid marketing, Facebook market, nothing's working. Influencers, do I do this? Do I do that? It's nice to see that like the Today Show still hit. Yeah, it still hits and it hits a different market than I think, you know, yeah. our ads are, are always featuring. So I think it was a really exciting time for the brand. But you're right, Facebook, man, it's tough. It's so it's tough. tough out there. We'll talk about that. So tell us about your worst day or your hardest day. Ooh, the hardest day. I mean, there's so many hard days, but this is kind of a funny story. It was in 2018. I didn't really know what I was doing as much as I do now. And I got news from our supplier that the boat with our bottles on it for our new launch, our retinol oil, was completely missing. It was like this crazy <laughs> hurricane. And they're like, we might not find this boat again. And at the time, of course, we have way more insurance now, but now I have protection for mm. those types of things. But I didn't have the protection in transit at the time. And I was so scared, especially being bootstrapped, that was going to be out all this mm. money. It was also my first time purchasing bottles made for a product. The Universal Face Oil, I actually purchased as dead stock mm. here in Los Angeles. And now we obviously manufacture it. But this was the first time I had manufactured bottles. And I was like, this is the worst day. But it all worked out. They found the boat like three weeks later. <laughs> the people on the boat were fine. I was like, but what about the people? <laughs> the bottles are good. The people are also fine. Yes. I love that. No, I actually, I think that's such a great little tidbit because I never have thought about the insurance of trans me either. <laughs> the product. So fun little fun fact there for anyone who's a CPG brand, get that insurance for anything that is in transit because yeah, both or, go missing. Or make them do DDP or, you know, really negotiate the terms. I didn't know any of the terminology when it came to importing and exporting, so I did not have the coverage. And, you know, that was definitely the worst day, but I learned so much from it. Oh so, my gosh. you know. A great lesson that could have been much more expensive, I'm yes. sure. So walk me through, you mentioned dead stock. So I think that's such an interesting, you know, piece of the puzzle is like when someone's launching a business, they're like, where do I get packaging? How do I think about things? What is, can you tell us a little bit about using dead stock versus creating your own bottles? Totally. So there's dead stock. There's also just your stock glass. And then there are things that you can custom mold. And so at the time, I really didn't know if Mara was going to be just like a hobby yeah. or what I was, you know, so I didn't want to buy 10,000 of anything. I also only launched with one SKU, which I think, you know, the universal face oil. And so when I was trying to build out the aesthetics, I really didn't want to spend a ton of money. So I actually found these beautiful 
beautiful blue glass bottles that are now kind of the core of the line. And they were sitting in a warehouse in Baldwin Park. And basically, they were purchased for someone else and they deserted them. So I got them here at a much better rate. I didn't have to import them or pay any of the crazy shipping or freight fees associated with it. And at the time, we're now hot stamped, but we had to overlabel them because they mm-hmm. were already here. But it really gave me the opportunity to not fill and, and really tie up so much cash with componentry. Now, this isn't to say this works for everyone. Mm-hmm. This was like a bunch of happy mistakes. But Brands, like big brands, they'll end up pivoting away from SKUs that they've ordered things for. So if you do go to like a Cosmoprof and you find different contacts, you can always ask them about dead stock if you're starting a brand because there might be something there for you. Hot tip. I love that so much. And also like slightly sustainable, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, like you're reusing those products that are just sitting in warehouses, which is so wonderful. But yeah, in in, in my mind, if you ever have seen the product, it's gorgeous. Thank you. It's so beautiful. Like you would never in a million years be like, this wasn't fully thought out or done by a branding agency for a billion dollars. So. I love that. So tell us a little bit about your biggest strengths as a founder. You know, what are some of the things that you've grown into and what have you always sort of had? I think my biggest strengths come from my training in media because I'm really good at telling stories quickly. Mm. And I think that comes from the years of like TV production and having to get points across and stories across in like less than 30 seconds. And well, actually less than that. It's like three seconds. You get like a buzzy headline and this. And so I'm also really quick when it comes to writing in general. So I do all of our copywriting and I also was still because I enjoy it. And I think that's probably the, the biggest strong suit. And then for me growing into it, like I came from as like a talent in a way. So I didn't have to like do any of the business side. I had a business manager and I had an agent. I had a manager. So when I'm like, oh my God, what's QuickBooks? Yeah, welcome. <laughs> but now I'm on NetSuite. I'm like, oh my God, I learned NetSuite. Girl, yeah, I, I know. It. Really, you know, growing up. But so I think that side, I'm, while I've, I've grown into it, it was harder for me. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an uphill battle. So how have you found yourself educating in that way? Because I was the exact same way when I started my first company. I was the creative. I was the ideas. And then I had to learn the hard way. Like you also have to be the business and understand money in, money out, payroll, health benefits. It's a wild world. So what have you, what are the steps you've taken or any tips you have for someone who's maybe struggling in that way? Ooh, I just think you have to be open to learning. I For NetSuite, for example, I hired like an amazing coach who taught me, you know, so much, like mm. over, like, I think it was like 100 hours of training I did to make sure that I was able to operate the platform. But I think things just like basic accounting books and stuff, like taking the time to just listen to a podcast, something that's maybe you wouldn't normally listen to that is kind of an expert in that field. And I did so much of that. I also read all those like Harvard School for Business books. Mm. They're not the most exciting, but like right. a lot of them tell you a lot about a basic accounting which for me was the hardest. I'm like, oh, when you write a check, you have to like make sure it's the first half of that PO that matches with this one. Like it was such a cluster shit show. Totally. Now it's really great. (laughs) Honestly, though, it's better to do it early and earlier on in the business than doing it after the fact because you have to unpack so many years of you know, different types of data that weren't structured correctly. And especially if you're building a business to sell it, like you have to have that stuff super tight, super organized. So I love that you did 100 hours of training for NetSuite. God bless. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> I love it now, though. I mean, honestly, like See, it's, you get into it's really it. cool. And I like, I 
I like to go on like the little portals and stuff and like learn more things. So it's been really fun. Oh my God. I love it so much. My mom always told me, so my mom is an accountant and she was always like, you got to fall in love with the numbers. You got to fall in love with the numbers. And I was like, no. And then eventually I did. It sounds like you fell in love with NetSuite. So like win-win all around. Totally. What is your biggest weakness? I mean, I guess it's a little bit of the business stuff. And like, when have you, you know, kind of experienced something where you're like, I do not know how to handle this situation? I think my biggest weakness is definitely being able to delegate things. And I think a lot of founders struggle mm-hmm. with this because you you do do it all. And a lot of us know how to do it all. But knowing when we're not the best at something mm-hmm. and when to bring in someone else can be a really hard pill to swallow. And so it's also like, you know, an expensive thing that you have to kind of realize, like, can I hire someone for this? Do I have to keep doing this myself? But I think it's really kind of you know, getting the right people in when the right time is for those types of roles, you know? Yeah. What have been some of the key hires you've made? Well, obviously taking away social, which I love so much, but getting a really amazing social person. I feel like when you're in the weeds with social mm. and you've, you know, you kind of like get to see so much and hear so much, but building out our social team has been so helpful to me. Same with our marketing team, which that's my favorite part of the business. And I think where we're trying to kind of still develop is our logistics team, which, yeah. you know, that is, you know, it's a harder, you know, if anyone's looking out there and you want to do logistics. <laughs> Hot job alert. Yeah, hot job alert. Amazing. No, I love that so much. So you're also bootstrapped. So hiring all these people, expensive, NetSuite can sometimes, you know, all the implementing all these different things, which are going to be perfect when you're, you know, for scale and for fast growth. How do you weigh out, like, should I go out and raise money? Do I keep doubling down on the business? Like, how do you think about financially building this company? We took it really slow, even though it's only been five years. In a way, we took it really slow with product development. So Mm. we only launch about one to two products a year. And that's not because we can't keep up or don't want to make more products. It's quite literally because I believe in a less is more approach to skincare. And Mm. I don't think we need a million things. But because of that, it's created this line of true hero products. So every single success of the one launch kind of pays for the next launch. So we've been able to grow really organically. And like even going into Sephora, we didn't end up taking, we thought about taking on capital potentially, Mm. but we made the cognizant choice to not take on capital. I'd love to have at least one to two years of Sephora underneath my belt before we decide to take on another partner because we have taken it this far and we can afford to do the marketing opportunities. But I think, you know, the timing for our launch was really important too because as much as I would have loved for it to have been earlier, we couldn't have done it the way we're doing it now earlier yeah. on in our in our journey. If there's one thing we've learned over the past few years, it's that life is unpredictable and it certainly moves fast, just as it does in the business world. Between work demands, social obligations, household responsibilities, and all the other things maxing out our to-do list, it seems like there's never a right time to stop talking about the future. So it comes as no surprise that a topic like life insurance isn't exactly on the radar. That's where Quility comes in an award-winning insure tech company that offers affordable, customized insurance solutions and financial planning to support people throughout their entire lives. Quillity was co-founded by a working mom and partner, so they get it. Life is busy, work is crazy, and digging into a topic like life insurance isn't always the best party subject. Thankfully, Quillity simplifies the life insurance process, and it's so quick that you can secure coverage in between team calls and never miss a beat. It only takes 10 minutes or less to apply for a policy or connect with an insurance agent to get expert guidance along the way. Now, before you start thinking, oh, my company already has that taken care of, or I don't need that right now, that's not exactly the case. We have some myths to debunk thanks to Quillity. About one in four life insurance owners only have workplace coverage rather than both workplace coverage and an individual policy. While you may have employer coverage through your workplace, it may not be enough. 
Normally, life insurance policies from your employer are capped at one or two times your salary, but Quility recommends that you take into consideration your monthly expenses, your loved ones who depend on your income, and your overall lifestyle. Plus, if you end up switching companies and leaving your employer, it means your policy heads out too. But don't fret. Quility has created a special life insurance guide just for work party listeners. So visit quility.com slash work party to learn more. That's Q-U-I-L-I-T-Y dot C-O-M slash work party for more information. The best time to get life insurance doesn't exist. The easiest way does with Quility. Hey, friend. I'm Nicole Walters, mom of three, your internet bestie and founder of Inherit Learning Company. If you're looking for the motivation you need to pursue a life of purpose, then join me each week on the Nicole Walters podcast as I share my hard-learned lessons and answer your DMs about life, business, and everything in between. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll grant ourselves grace as we do life together. Check out the Nicole Walters podcast every Tuesday here on Dear Media. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. You launched Mara and Sephora at the beginning of last year on e-com and in 250 plus stores, which is amazing. And I think so many people are listening and they're like, I want to be in Sephora. Like that is the dream. And it sounds like it was for you as well. So let's pull back the curtain on this a little bit, because I think this is something that is kind of like this weird not talked about thing of like, how do you get into Sephora? So did Sephora come knocking? Did you go to Sephora? Did you hire someone to help you get in the door? Like, how did that work? Oh, this is a great question. So I have done all the distribution myself for Mara. I didn't even know people like did that. (laughs) But you know what? Pros and cons, because when you do hire a company like that, you are taking, they take a percentage, right? So no, I did not use someone to get us into Sephora. I obviously reached out really early on and we had started a dialogue years ago. Actually, I had flown there. I did something with Sephora Accelerate and helped with media training for the Sephora Accelerate brands. Meanwhile, I was, I should have been in Sephora Accelerate, right? I wasn't ready to even be teaching. But, you know, we kind of had this dialogue over, you know, the past few years. And I think the big thing for us is because our curation was slow but small to grow. I think they really wanted to see a wider range without being too wide, right? So right when we hit like the five, six product mark, I had found out right before my wedding, actually, my wedding last year, that they were interested in really having like a full pitch conversation about the brand. And so, you know, I found out last June that we were going to be in Sephora. And then the launch happened at the very beginning of this year. So we kind of slowly rolled that out. And it was, it's been amazing. Like there's so much though, you know, when you have a team of eight and then you, you're with their team, that's huge. You're just like, oh my gosh, we, there's a lot of work for us to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it must be an overwhelming feeling, but like so exciting at the same time. So the process is you started the relationship, you kept in touch, you showed them the products as you got to the place they felt good about, you went and you pitched. How was the pitch? Like, were you excited? Were you nervous? Was it just you? So it was just me. I didn't do it in person. I would have loved to have done that. But I think the Zoom takes a little bit of the anxiety off. Totally. I can't imagine what it would have been like to do like a formal pitch in person. (laughs) You know, it's intense. Yeah. So I pitched them and then they, you know, did tell me they were going to bring it on, which is amazing. But I think like the big tips are like, you do want to follow up with these retailers because I've gotten told no by almost every single retailer that we're in now. So you can't let the nose define you, but you also can't keep following up if there isn't something new to share. So I would really wait till an amazing tidbit like, hey, Haley Bieber just you know shared our cleanser and we sold out globally of this product. This is a big highlight for us. Or, you know, we were on the Today Show or we launched a new product. You don't want to be annoying, but you want to share those amazing milestones so you keep you know on their radar. But I think it is a nice hybrid between 
you know, stalking someone totally. and, and and giving them, you know, poignant follow-ups that are really showing the growth of the brand. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such great advice. So you get the call, you're in, and you're leading up to this launch. Like, what goes into preparing for a launch in retail? So I think the thing that shocked me the most was how much back and forth and creation there was behind the P pages, which are the product purchase pages. And a lot of times for other retailers that we work with, there hasn't been this huge emphasis on, you know, the way those look and how they sound. And some retailers, for example, they even control, you know, what goes on that page. But Sephora really like has the brand fill out these P pages, you know, at the brand level and they make small changes along the way. But we spent so many hours between the assets for the P pages and the in-store tile because we're on the new next big thing wall. We spent so much time on that. And then, you know, just getting into their system, into their processes, Mm. learning all of the words. I think, you know, at the store level, it's learning. It's kind of, I worked in retail in high school. I'm not sure if you did. Did you? Oh yeah, I was Banana Republic all the way. Oh my God. (laughs) I worked at a swimsuit store called Diane's. Love it. And we had like all of our own internal jargon. So kind of knowing that too. Totally. It's a lot. So I think those were the two things that took the most amount of time. And then prepping your marketing. You know, how are you going to roll it out? You know, are you going to hire influencers for it? So there's that whole strategy that goes into it as well. I love that you brought up the P pages because like in launching e-com things, like those are so crucial and you don't know if it's like the PDP, the PP, whatever. It's like, what are we talking about? But it's yeah. so important. So I love that great tip. So getting into the store, announcing the launch, so exciting. But that's kind of just the beginning of what retail is because you have to show product is moving. So what is the marketing strategy when it comes to retail versus like a Facebook ad or an influencer or whatever? So we're really trying a hybrid approach here. We're doing our first set of billboards really soon, which we're really excited about. Yes, we've never done them before. And so kind of, you know, strategically putting them throughout Los Angeles and eventually wild posting in LA and New York around those strategic locations. And then, you know, obviously you can hit people with with ads based on Zipco, which is so weird, but you can kind of target your Facebook ads according to Sephora doors. And then at the store level, you know, we are building out our sales team, which is something that I never thought we would have. Right. But it really is crazy. We've got some team members on for that so far in key markets. And I think it's really important as a small brand, even though we're just on next big thing, to invest in sales support because Mm -hmm. I don't have the time to go to every store as much as I would love to. So finding people to really go in and, you know, train the beauty advisors. I believe so much in education. And I think that as a journalist, that is like the core of the brand. So it's really important to make sure that's a, a core pillar of us as we continue to grow at Sephora. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the billboards. I love going back to basics a little bit. I do think those things are breaking through in new ways, especially because online marketing is so expensive and has been kind of a shit show, frankly, for a lot of people as they've been doing it. So as mentioned, you've bootstrapped Mara since day one, which is incredible and obviously is so amazing. But probably has a billion challenges. So let's dive into that a little bit. When you were starting, you know, obviously you went on this path to launch one product. Tell us why one product, what was the strategy around that? What was the product and how did that really ignite a fire for future products? So the first product was Universal Face Oil. It's our Algae Moringa Universal Face Oil. And the idea behind it was I launched in 2018 and there were so many 20-step skincare routines that were being touted everywhere. I was totally writing about them. I was doing videos about them. And so my idea was like, I really don't believe you need a million products to have amazing skin. I've always believed less is more. And so we kind of started with this idea of this one face oil that does it all. It works on all skin types. It's not going to break you out. It's non-comedogenetic. It has a beautiful ingredient profile unlike anything you've seen before. We use 
moringa, baobab, kalahari melon. And so it was this idea of this all-encompassing kind of all-in-one product. I think that's what really set us apart and why people were taking notice of us early on. But what people don't know is I actually developed the first five products all around the same time. Mm. So I started on the, yeah, I started on all five of them at the same time, but launched Universal Face Oil first while I was still working and perfecting the other ones. And the rollout was actually originally supposed to be retinol oil first, but I didn't want to launch with retinol because I know it's a polarizing ingredient. So kind of really lined up the products in a way that I felt made sense to the customer. And it's been really amazing. We still only launch like one to two a year. So yeah, well, it's important to have momentum and things to talk about and new things to roll out versus like going all out with like all five products from the beginning. It's like you don't know what's going to stick or take. So I think that's a great strategy. And also it's cost efficient. So What was the first big check you had to write and what was it for? The first big check, I mean, was for the components. I remember Mm. that. And then the next one is for production. But if we're getting into like, we've made the products, we're ready to sell. I think the first big investment I made into the brand was midway through the year, I hired a PR team. Mm. And to me, I think coming from media, I just know how much competition there is in front of these editors. And, you know, I still receive pitches daily and I'm like, I don't do that anymore, you guys. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I just knew that there was so much competition. So I wanted to make sure that I had someone else besides me, like talking about the brand and we couldn't afford influencers. And so I I took that route and that was the big one. And I think it's important. We've never not had a PR team to this day. Like we haven't had one skip month. So Wow. It's paid in spades. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely love to hear that. So let's talk about the fact that it's so competitive, right? It's like, Beauty brands were the thing to start like when it came to businesses, right? Now I feel like it's settling down a little bit and we're seeing other industries come to light. But when you entered the room and you like entered the chat, you know, and again, you were an editor. So you talked to so many beauty brands. Did you feel like, oh, man, this is cutthroat? Or were you like, oh, everyone's pretty nice and like helpful? I think everyone in my circle is really nice and helpful. And I do think 2018, clean was still so much newer mm, of a concept. Yeah. Now it's like, if you don't launch clean, then what are you doing? Like, that's the, you know, expectation, not the exception. So, you know, I was, I didn't know anything at the time. Though. Even though I was an editor, I didn't know how to build a brand. So I really didn't have like, you know, all of this knowledge now being like, oh my gosh, it's so crowded. How are you going to stand out? I wasn't really thinking that. So I think now looking back, I'm just grateful that people like took a chance on us. Yeah. And again, like you said, it's like naivety sometimes is like the best going into it. Not knowing what you don't know is kind of a good thing because you're excited. You, you know, obviously you're passionate about the product and and you were able to kind of manifest that in its own way without being like a little scared of what yeah. was like. But possible, which, you know, can happen. So when it comes to the day-to-day of the business, like what are some of the tools you use today that you can't live without? Like what what are those sort of secret weapon things? I mean, obviously it sounds like NetSuite for you is a big one, but what other sort of tech stack are you using every single day to talk to your team, to work with manufacturers, all that stuff? I'm going to have to listen to, you know, other podcasts for these because I feel like I'm not the techiest person. I use Slack. We use Slack. I'm, I'm like a big, quick communicator. So I prefer like Slack, text, like just get get it to me as fast as possible, but just don't call me, whatever yeah. you do. <laughs> whatever you do, don't call me. <laughs> yeah. But so I love Slack. I'm a big like Google Sheets person. Like that's how Same. when I was an editor, we worked, made our calendars in Sheets. So like I work so religiously in there and Docs. And then, you know, we've really streamlined our accounting. So like NetSuite is our cloud-based ERP system. So I, I really use that as like the holy grail of our business. So not that exciting. But then I'm a notes app girl. So. Yeah, look, old school. I mean, I was using a notebook up until like a year ago. I like still just use like a notebook. writing it, everything. To, I mean, listen, I know that there's a tool for everything, but sometimes just good old fashioned notes is like where it's at. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about 
personal life and obviously professional. I think a common question around being a founder is finding some sort of balance. And, you know, I actually love that we have shifted from this like grind and hustle mentality, which we were both in the mix of a little bit to like taking time, slowing down, all these different things. So how do you navigate finding balance with that new collective lens of, you know, kind of self-care while also running a successful business that requires you to really be online and on on top of everything 24-7? I wish I could say that I was slowed down as much as maybe the general consensus has. But, yeah. you know, we do come from that that other generation in a way where there was so much work to be had and there was never any, there was never enough hours in the day to do all the things we needed to do. But I think the best thing to come out of COVID for me has been the idea that I don't have to go to every event. Mm. I used to go to so many events and felt like I had to show up for everything. And now I really just pick and choose the things that I want to go to, the people that I want to support, you know, who's going to be in the room, all those things. And so I I don't feel this pressure to like be out every night. But, you know, that I'm at home like watching Vanderpump on my computer. So I still feel like I I need to find that balance. But luckily my, my partner, my wife is a hair colorist. And she is always like on the go and does house calls and has crazy last minute changes. So we've always kind of had this understanding that like now work comes first, but our, our jobs are have always been kind of crazy and demanding. So it works for us. I love that. I want to dive in that, to that a little bit because obviously you guys both work in the beauty space, yes. which is kind of cool, but also kind of like you understand obviously what it takes, but at the same time could be interesting. And I, I heard a little antidote, what I which I loved was that you were mentioning Haley Bieber used your product and it was because she had done her hair color and obviously had talked about you and bragged about you to her and then you know one thing led to another and she was able to get the product so I love that how, I know how do you guys support each other on the day-to-day well I think that's a perfect example it's like we don't push you know either of us on anyone but I think by nature you know comes up in conversation and I think both of us have amazing access so to put Cass in front of the editors and the people that I know and for her to be able to put Mara in front of a lot of the the big brands and faces and people that she's doing has been an amazing collaborative kind of journey for us. And she now owns her own salon here in Los Angeles Crane. So you can see Mara in there. It looks so cute. But yeah, the the Haley thing was amazing. And I think Haley had actually mentioned that she had heard about Mara from Cass, but then saw it on a TikTok. So you just never know how many points, touch points you need to hit someone with before it clicks for them. And I think I've always kept that in mind as we're gifting and doing marketing and and strategizing because you just never know when it's going to come out and like really connect. Yeah, no, it's so true. It takes a lot, actually. I think sometimes people feel like they're spamming people with stuff, but you're really not. Like I always give this example that my sister, who obviously follows me, follows Create and Cultivate, follows Work Party, is obsessed with all things I'm doing, like into it. And then I'll sometimes be like, oh, yeah, we have an event in Los Angeles next month. She's like, oh, you do? And I'm like, you're on our newsletter. You're on our social. But like, they're, everyone's not seeing everything. You feel like you're, because you're like, did that story go up? Does it look good? You're overthinking it. But the reality is, is like, it takes a while for people to start seeing things and associating them and all those good things. But I, I love that story so much. So when you guys are hanging out, do you talk about work a lot? We do talk about work a lot, but it's it's not like, oh, like, how was your day type of thing? It's more just kind of like talking through like the issues and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we both love what we do. So I think it naturally comes up. But we also spend a lot of time not talking about work. We both love houses and architecture and interior design. And, you know, Cass is working on a new project. So kind of helping with that. So we try and like not make it all about work. We love to travel, too. But, you know. Work doesn't let us do that that often. Yeah, (laughs) but when it does, I'm sure it's amazing. I love that so much. So do you think the world would ever cross over where there's like a collab or, you know, you're able to do something together? I would love her input maybe if Mara did a a hair oil oil, per se, but I'm not sure we would do a collab. I think that her aesthetic is so different from the Mara aesthetic in general, not ingredient wise, just the way that Crane looks and I think what she has in mind for herself. 
But I would love to be a sound reference for her as she's building her business. And like, of course, if we do hair, there's no one else I would ask besides her. So of course, I know I was like, you're so lucky. You must just get all the hair color. You're like, yeah, right. <laughs> to no, beg. Yeah, to <laughs> beg. But I think that's great. I love that you both have strong personal brands that exist on their own and, you know, obviously can provide feedback and input, but don't necessarily rely on each other or have anything like that. I think that's really important. Okay, so to wrap up, we just talked a lot of shop. We talked a lot about work, but let's have some fun. Let's get to the party part of work party. What is your drink of choice? Oh, I love a dirty martini right now. Mm. I feel like it's. I'm in my dirty martini era. Yes. Less, less calories, more fun, but you can only have two. Yeah. Three is always too many. <laughs> Three is way too much. And how do you personally unwind? I love Pilates, which I know that's like such a cop-out answer, but I found finally like the workout that I love that is not having me on my phone. Like if, even if I hike, I'm still on my phone. Like mm. Pilates is that one hour that I try and do four times a week for myself. So it's that. And then obviously like seeing friends, like just going to like do something with friends and like enjoy the people that I love are like the two things I love to do. I love that. What What's your Pilates? Are you reformer? Are you Matt? Reformer, I see Pilates by Amanda. She's amazing. She also does core club, you know, if you're not able to get to her, but it's so good. It's changed my body. I love it. I love Pilates too. So I love that answer. Well, thank you so much for being here, being real, being so generous with your amazing tips. Tell everyone where they can follow you and learn more about Mara. You can follow me at Allison McNamara and Mara at the Mara Beauty, and you can shop us at Sephora. Yes. Ah! Get in the store, <laughs> buy the product. Get in we there. love it. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.